Good morning and welcome to the Everbridge Inc. fourth quarter 2022 earnings conference call. All participants will be in listen-only mode. Should you need assistance, please signal conference specialist by pressing the star key followed by zero. After today's presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. To ask a question, you may press star then one on your telephone keypad. To withdraw your question, please press star then two. Please note this event is being recorded. I would like to turn the conference to Nandan Amlari, VP of Investor Relations. Please go ahead. Thank you, Anthony, and good morning, everyone. Welcome to Everbridge's earnings call for the fourth quarter and full year 2022. With me on today's call are Everbridge's President and CEO, Dave Wagner, and Executive Vice President and CFO, Patrick Brickley. Earlier this morning, we issued our earnings release, which can be accessed uh, on the Investor Relations section of our website at ir.everbridge.com. This call is being recorded, and a replay of the teleconference will be available on our Investor Relations website at the conclusion of today's event. During today's call, we will make forward-looking statements regarding future events or the financial performance of the company that involves certain risks and uncertainty. The company's actual results may differ materially from the projections described in such statements. Factors that might cause such differences include, but are not limited to, those discussed in our Forms 10-Q and 10-K, as well as subsequent filings with the SEC. Information provided on this call reflects our perspective only as of today and should not be considered representative of our views as of any subsequent date. We explicitly disclaim any obligation to update any forward-looking statements or our outlook. Also during today's call, we will refer to certain non-GAAP financial measures. A reconciliation of our GAAP to non-GAAP financial measures is included in our earnings press release, which you can find on our Investor Relations website. Our earnings, uh, our earnings press release includes highlights from our fourth quarter, <coughs> uh, fiscal year 22, in addition to our financial results and outlook. After we review our business and financial highlights, we will open the call for questions. With that, let me turn the call over to Dave. Dave? Thanks, Nandan. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Everbridge's earnings call for the fourth quarter and full year 2022. I am very pleased with the financial results we released earlier this morning. For the fourth quarter, we achieved revenue of $117.1 million dollars an increase of 14% year-over-year, adjusted EBITDA of $19.6 million, an increase of $19 million from $572,000 a year ago, and annual recurring revenue of $384 million, which is up $14 million, or 4% quarter-over-quarter, our largest quarter-over-quarter increase of the year. I am also pleased that the team executed these strong results while also executing a 10% headcount reduction in the quarter. We entered Q4 with 1,893 employees and ended the year with 1,713. Our team demonstrated incredible resilience. In addition to the strong operational results, we completed the repurchase of over $300 million in face value of our 2024 notes reducing our net debt by approximately $28 million in the quarter. Each of these results demonstrates our commitment to execute against the plan we discussed at our Investor Day in December. Our strategy is anchored on our 20-year commitment to keeping people safe and organizations running by digitizing organizational resilience. 
We deliver our customers intelligent automation technology that empowers them to anticipate, mitigate, respond to, and recover from critical events. We serve customers of all sizes, but our focus for the next five years will be on larger enterprises and governments with the resources to fully leverage our solutions. And we are focused on driving annual recurring revenue with the aim of achieving $1 billion in ARR over the long term. Our results for the fourth quarter demonstrate strong initial steps on our journey. Entering 2023, we are confident in our baseline 6 to 7% revenue growth rate and in achieving $85 million in adjusted EBITDA. Before I go further, I will now turn the call over to our CFO, Patrick Brickley, to provide details on our financial results for the fourth quarter and full year, as well as our updated outlook for 2023, after which I will return to provide more detailed commentary on the quarter. Patrick? Thanks, Dave. In fiscal year 2022, we exceeded our annual targets for revenue and adjusted EBITDA, and we executed a significant restructuring which resulted in reductions and realignment of resources. We enter fiscal year 2023 with a leaner cost structure and an experienced leadership team in place to build a profitable, organic growth business for the long term. I will now recap our results for the fourth quarter and full year. For full details of our P&L and reconciliation of gap to non-gap measures, please refer to our press release. For the fourth quarter of 2022, our ARR of $384 million was up approximately 11% year over year. Share of ARR coming from customers over $250,000 ticked up to 44% from 43% in the September quarter. Revenue grew 14% year over year to $117.1 million, reflecting our growth in ARR as well as record deliveries of one-time licenses and services of over $16 million and a modest stub of inorganic contribution from the Anvil acquisition, which was completed in November 2021. Adjusted gross margin was 74%, reflecting seasonally higher perpetual license mix in the quarter and improving platform efficiency. Adjusted EBITDA was $19.6 million, or 17% of revenue, which is a little higher than the mid-teens adjusted EBITDA that we guided to at the outset of 2022, and is an early reflection of the streamlined cost structure with which we enter fiscal year 23. Cash flow from operations was $4.4 million, compared to $10.2 million a year ago. Adjusted free cash flow was $4.6 million, this represents free cash flow adjusted for $4.2 million of one-time cash payments related to restructuring. For the full fiscal year 2022, revenue grew 17% year-over-year to $431.9 million. We enter 2023 with a purely organic growth profile, having lapsed all of the acquisitions that we made in 2021 and having made no acquisitions in 2022. Adjusted EBITDA was $42.1 million, or 10% of revenue, compared to $11.2 million, or 3% of revenue, in 2021. Cash flow from operations was $20.2 million, compared to $22.2 million a year ago. 
adjusted free cash flow, which adjusts for $12.3 million in one-time cash payments related to our restructuring program, was $13.9 million. Our net revenue retention rate once again tracked at or above 110%, reflecting continued customer satisfaction combined with demand for additional Everbridge technology to expand within the existing customer base. Our momentum with large transactions continued in Q4, resulted in trailing 12-month ASPs that were again above $100,000, and a record 80 deals in the quarter that were over $100,000 in annual contract value. Additional business metrics can be found in our investor relations presentation posted on our website. In addition, we recently improved our capital structure by repurchasing approximately $316 million principal amount of our convertible debt using cash on hand of approximately $289 million, a discount of 8.75% to face value. Approximately $134 million of principal amount of 2024 notes are still outstanding which we expect to retire using cash on hand on or before their maturity in December of 2024. We ended the fiscal year with cash and cash equivalents of approximately $199 million. Now, I'll turn to guidance. We are reiterating the guidance for fiscal year 2023 that we laid out in detail at our recent investor day. We expect to grow revenue in the range of 6 to 7%, with adjusted EBITDA in the range of 84 to $86 million, a margin of approximately 18.5%. We don't anticipate any significant growth in headcount during 2023, and as such, we expect that we will be poised to make additional progress towards the Rule of 40 in 2024. Our outlook for the first quarter of 2023 is as follows. We expect revenue in the range of 106.3 to $106.7 million, reflecting year-over-year growth of approximately 6%. This represents a sequential decrease from Q4 2022, which is attributable to a sequential decrease in non-recurring revenue. We expect adjusted EBITDA in the range of $9.8 million to $10.2 million, a margin of approximately As you've seen in our historical performance, our Q1 profitability tends to be pressured by seasonal patterns of headcount-related costs, primarily the timing of payroll taxes. In summary, the actions we undertook in 2022 to refocus our business and restructure our costs have positioned us well for 2023, both financially and strategically. With that, let me hand the call back over to Dave. Thanks, Patrick. As our $14 million increase in ARR demonstrates, we had a good quarter in our recurring business. We also had a good quarter from both a new and existing customer perspective. From a new customer perspective, we added 97 total new enterprise customers in the fourth quarter, of which 50 were CEM customers, bringing our total CEM customer count to 307. Additionally, we generated 80 deals over $100,000 in the period, which is up from 66 in the fourth quarter of 2021. While we had strong deal velocity, we only had one deal over $1 million in the quarter and four over $500,000 in the quarter. 
This compares to five deals over $500,000 in Q4 last year. The decline is primarily due to lower perpetual bookings in the quarter. Our top five new customer wins in the quarter included two SaaS customers and three perpetual customers. Two of the new customers were in the government vertical, one was in healthcare, one was in retail, and one was in construction development. Two of the wins were CEM wins, two were smart security wins, and one win was in public warning. As noted earlier, our perpetual license bookings, which achieved a record level for the year, were lower in Q4. This fact, coupled with the strong perpetual deliveries in the quarter, led to the lowered backlog, which we expected. Moving on to sales to existing customers. We had another strong quarter of solution expansions. Our top five growth deals were all SaaS deals, and they were all CEM customers. Two of the five were digital resilience customers, and three were people and operational resilience customers. Two were in the finance vertical, two in pharmaceutical, and one in construction development. Another exciting fourth quarter expansion was the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, which oversees much of the regional transportation infrastructure, including bridges, tunnels, airports, and seaports, for one of the most populous regions in the country. Closing out our commentary on ARR growth, we had our largest ARR quarter-over-quarter growth of the year, driven by our strongest quarterly gross retention rate in over two years. We are very pleased with both gross and net retention in the quarter. Putting new wins, growth deals, and retention together, our ARR in Q4 reached $384 million, up $14 million sequentially, positioning us well for 2023. The share of total ARR coming from customers of 250K or more ticked up slightly to 44%, reflecting the nice growth in agreements with existing customers. In addition to our go-to-market successes, we continue to focus on simplifying our product offerings and making strategic product integrations in order to increase our efficiency and velocity to improve profitability. From an innovation perspective, we recently introduced a new AI-powered situational awareness tool, Digital Ops Insights, to our Digital Operations Solutions Bundle. This solution enables incident commanders and resolvers to gain deep visibility into IT service disruptions, and it helps organizations save time, maintain customer satisfaction, deliver continuous service uptime, and innovate. From an implementation perspective, we are very proud of the fact that we successfully deployed the Norwegian public safety system in December that we were just awarded in September. Along with the Norwegian government and our partners, we implemented this system in record time, strengthening our reputation as the undisputed leader in this market. This public safety solution will help keep Norway's more than 5 million residents and nearly 7 million annual visitors safe and informed in case of an emergency. Norway is an innovative country and one of the first countries in the world to implement location-based technology to inform and protect its people. We accomplished all of the above 
while meaningfully improving our profitability and building our leadership team for the future. We added several key individuals to the leadership team and to our board this past quarter. Let me briefly introduce you to each of them. In December, Noah Webster joined as our Chief Legal and Compliance Officer and Corporate Secretary. He has over 20 years of legal experience, including negotiating agreements, security, compliance, litigation, and M&A. Noah is responsible for leading and managing all legal, compliance, and risk management programs at the company, as well as our ongoing ESG efforts. I've known Noah for several years from our time together at Zix, and I am incredibly excited to have him on board with us. In January, we announced the appointment of Brian Barney as our new Chief Product Officer. Brian is responsible for leading Everbridge's global product development strategy, strengthening our platforms, and integrating our products. His extensive background in enterprise software and cybersecurity leadership positions working for companies like Red Seal, Symantec, Sophos, and McAfee position him well to lead our product vision. And last week, we announced the appointment of John DeLeo as our new Chief Revenue Officer. John is an extraordinarily customer-focused leader who brings out the best in his teams and works to align the entire organization in support of the customer. He also brings extensive international experience to his role. John and I work together both at Zix and Entrust. At Everbridge, John will spearhead our, our go-to-market motions and focus our sales teams on growth and improving our overall go-to-market efficiency. We also added two new board members, David Benjamin and Rohit Guy. Both bring additional skills and experiences to help shepherd our company through its next phase of growth. David Benjamin is currently the Executive Vice President and Chief Commercial Officer for BlackBot. His international experience and track record in accelerating public companies' commercial offerings will be invaluable to our go-to-market expansion efforts. Rohit Guy is the CEO of RSA Security and brings a deep cybersecurity understanding to Everbridge, which will further bolster us in one of our top focus areas of board governance and risk management. Rohit also has a strong product management background, delivering technologies to market at scale, which will also be a valuable addition. These leadership and board appointments further strengthen us as a team. In summary, we delivered a solid financial performance in Q4 as we continue to make progress on our long-term financial goals. We are implementing the strategy outlined during our investor day in December, and we are entering the year with a strong foundation to achieve our goals for 2023. We are building a foundation focused on delivering consistent, profitable growth on our way to $1 billion in annual recurring revenue. I look forward to updating you on our progress in the coming quarters. We're now ready to open the call for questions. Anthony? Thank you. We will now begin the question and answer session. To ask a question, you may press star then on your telephone keypad. If you're using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing the keys. To withdraw your question, please press star then two. Please limit yourself to one question and one follow-up. At this time, we'll, we will pause momentarily to assemble our roster.
Our first question will come from Alex Sklar with Raymond James. You may now go ahead. Uh, thanks. David or Patrick, I, I want to ask uh, how you're thinking about booking velocity for 2023, given the macro as, as part of that 6 to 7% revenue guide outlook. Should we think of ARR or RPO growth that should track, should that track kind of that revenue growth framework? Thank you. Um, so that, that's a good question. Um, you know, the first thing I think about is in, in terms of the bookings is the, is the normal seasonality. And so we're entering um, Q1, which tends to be our, our lower uh, uh, quarter of the year. When I think about it, I think about the ARR velocity that we're generating in, in these deals, um, uh, $100,000 and below. And, and those are things that really give me, uh, you know, confidence looking uh, forward. And, you know, I combine that with, for me, the highlight of the quarter personally uh, was that gross retention rate um, returning to its highest level in, in two years. But uh, from a bookings velocity perspective, we're, we're really focused on, uh, on, the, on the recurring bookings. Um, our pipeline for perpetual deals um, you know, remains uh, solid. Um, but as, as you know, those, those large government deals um, are more inconsistent uh, in their timing. Okay, great. And I guess, Patrick, it's kind of a somewhat of a related question, but, but given the increased focus on CEM, can you help frame kind of the embedded growth uh, in the 2023 outlook that, that you're thinking about from CEM versus maybe mass notification or, or other parts of the business? Well, uh, hey, Alex, you see in the results from Q4, CEM is, is really helping to propel the business. Uh, this uh, evolution of the ways in which businesses approach resilience uh, is driving a more um, digitized approach and we're the leader in the space. So um, uh, we had a great CEM quarter. Uh, we're continuing to focus on uh, the platform adoption and moving customers up the CEM stack. Um, mass notification is also very important, but that's a, that's a piece of CEM, and we really want to uh, be focused on CEM as we move forward. Okay. Thank you both. Our next question will come from Matt Stotler with William Blair. You may now go ahead. Hey, good morning. Thank you for taking the questions. Uh, maybe uh, first on the uh, the CEM net ads, obviously, uh, you know, very strong in the quarter, above 50. Um, nearly 2x anything you've seen prior in terms of uh, you know uh, quarterly ads and acceleration in terms of the, the year of your growth rate uh, we'd love to get some more color on, on you know what's working there on the CEM standpoint and then is this something that's attributable more to Q4 seasonality or is this kind of structurally higher capacity when you think about the ability to grow the CEM cohort um, with the recent changes you've made to the business so, so that's a, a good question you know those ads um, are you know, probably the focus area of um, of our go-to-market strategy, especially as we're aligning into 2023, we're we're paying particular attention to um, propensity models, um, account-based marketing for uh, new CEM wins, as as well as uh, um, driving the expansions of our existing point solution customers up into CEM. You know, one of the things that, that uh, worked well in Q4, is, as I noted before, the migrations of the risk center customers uh, into CEM, that, that program kicked in uh, in Q4. We expect that to be a steady contributor uh, throughout the course of 
of, um, of 2023. And then, you know, related to that at a more macro level, you know, I'm not so concerned um, about, you know, CEM versus new customer wins. We know from experience that once we get a customer win into, um, into the Everbridge family, the expansion, you know, happens as they mature their um, uh, resilience uh, strategy. So we, you know, we remain, um, uh, you know, also uh, excited about point solution wins that, that will grow into CEM over time. So um, it's a really important indicator. You know, I won't be surprised if we have, you know, quarters that move around um, a little bit as we, as we continue to execute the strategy, and I'm probably answering somebody else's question, but um, you know, one of the things in, I think you're, you were asking about is just overall capacity um, for delivering you know, CEM deals in particular, but deals of all kinds. And you know, we, we highlighted uh, in November the fact that we, we did take some sellers out of the organization um, uh, you know, in, in early, mid-Q4, um, um, and you know we talked about that six to seven percent allowing for you know some reduction in in uh, in capacity, uh, theoretical capacity uh, from those sellers. You know as we lean into 2023, we're really focused on um, uh, retention of our of everybody in the company, of course, but those quota bearing reps, that retention, the expansion of capacity that's going to come through tenure. And uh, so we're, we're making good progress um, on on that, you know, OKR as we, um, you know, kind of hit the midpoint of, of Q1. So that's a, a really long answer to a, to a straightforward question. Does that help you, Matt? Yeah, no, that, that's super helpful. Um, I appreciate that. As a, a follow-up, uh, you know, obviously at this point you mentioned that you're substantially uh, done with the workforce restructuring, uh, at least we've talked about so far. When you look at the technology side of things and the, um, the continued efforts to, to integrate everything, both in the back end and the front end, uh, and kind of continue moving towards this, this true platform model. Um, could you give an update on where you are in that uh, process and, and maybe the updated timeline for completion on that front as well? Yeah, there, you know, I'll hit that in two ways. You know, one, I'm really pleased with the teammates who worked with me in, in that brief interim uh, chief product officer that I did with, uh, along with uh, Happy Wong, who you met um, at Investor Day. Um, um, also very pleased with the addition of Brian Barney um, uh, to the leadership team. His experience, you know, particularly at, at McAfee, um, but you know, also uh, you know, the other companies uh, where he's been, he has so much pattern recognition from those experiences um, with building platforms, um, incorporating acquired technologies. And so he's early in his journey but I just tell you, I'm already, you know, really impressed with how he's um, digging into the technology, digging, digging into the platform um, architecture, and you know, further aligning the team to to enhance our velocity. So um, I, we still have, you know, a lot of wood to chop, but I am really confident. Um, you know, six months into my journey and, and six weeks into Brian's journey that we've got the right team and, and the right things moving, moving forward from, from a product uh, platform perspective. Great. Thank you very much. Our next question will come from Brian Colley with Stevens. You may now go ahead. Hey, good morning, guys, and thanks for taking my questions. So over the last couple of quarters, your messaging 
has kind of suggested the macro wasn't really having a material impact on the results. I'm curious, you know, whether or not that was still the case in 4Q and today and uh, kind of how the sales pipeline trended throughout the quarter uh, and, and how you would characterize the demand environment today. Um, you know, so that's a really good good question. Um, you know, to me, the, the key indicators, um, you know, from the script were, um, you know, one, that increasing velocity in the 100K K deal range. Um, you know, the interesting, um, to me, you know, other number was the four deals over 500K versus um, five a year ago and, and actually, you know, you know, down quite a bit from the Q2, Q3 quarters. Um, so that larger deal uh, velocity, you know, slowed a bit um, in in the quarter. Um, and uh, and then the third piece that I'm really, you know, to get to me the highlight of the quarter was the uh, the gross retention number, um, getting back to a a, a multi-year high. So we we. Uh, you know, it's 90 days later. We remain really confident in the six to seven percent baseline growth, which we built, as you'll recall. Um, you know, not expecting an overly robust um, uh, outlook um, as we look as we look forward in 2023. Got it. And then, from, for a follow-up, uh, I was wondering if you could just provide an update on where you are with regard to you know divesting or end of lifeing the non-core assets. Uh, that you talked about the the remaining four to eight million of ARR and how much of that, uh, or how, you know, how much of that uh, impacted four Q twenty two and are you including any revenue from those assets uh, in the one Q guide and for the full year as well? Hey Brian, it's Patrick. Uh, we, it, there was no impact in Q4. We do have a, a divestiture under LOI uh, that we uh, are on track to execute shortly here over the next couple of weeks, and uh, that's a few million dollars of ARR. We have a couple of smaller opportunities that we're looking to execute on by the end of the quarter, and, and throughout the year we'll continue to work through the portfolio analysis, uh, Dave. As Dave mentioned, Brian is onboarding, uh, applying a fresh set of eyes, and um, I anticipate throughout the year we'll continue to have opportunities that we'll take advantage of um, in order to find better homes for, for certain assets. Uh, and uh, our guide um, you know, it does anticipate you know, that there could be some you know, potential um, headwind related to divestiture, but these are all these are all relatively small. Um, that was part of the, the bridge that we provided at the investor day uh, from 2022 growth to, to the guide of 2023 um, revenue growth of six to seven percent. Uh, there, there are uh, there is four to eight million dollars of ARR that is up for potential divestiture that we've identified today, and, and we've got um, uh, just shy of half of that under LOI as we speak. Okay, got it. Uh, well, thanks for the time, guys. Yeah, thank you, Brian. Our next question will come from Michael Turin with Wells Fargo Securities. You may now go ahead. Hi, you got Michael Berg on for Michael Turin. Congrats on the quarter. Um, I want to dive into what's baked in the guidance, specifically your Rule 40 for implied for the year. 
it is a tick under what you just performed in fiscal 22. So maybe you walk us through if there's any level of conservatism, whether it's from macro or a sales pipeline or even on the cost side, uh, they can walk us through. Thank you. Um, so, uh, you know, the biggest contributor to that difference is the um, uh, the acquired a uh, revenue, um, uh, so the inorganic growth that we uh, had in the, in the revenue number last year. And so there's not an exact, you know, pinpoint on that, but, you know, that's where we kind of walked through the 21, 19, 17, 14% um, uh, uh, ending uh you know, revenue growth rates. And so that's kind of the first big, you know, jump off is, you know, we're entering um, 2023 with a purely uh, organic, um, you know, growth rate. And then, of course, we, we built in, uh, we just talked about the, the four to eight million of which, you know, four million or just under four has already been, uh, well, it's under LOI, it's out of the ARR number, it's out of the revenue guide. Um, so that remaining, you know, would be zero to in our, in our um, you know, what could come out uh, for future divestitures, as Patrick said, those would be small. Um, you know, we had the you know, lap in the large customer, so we you know, have that detailed waterfall from the investor day that kind of brings you back. And then the, I guess the other one is for planning for flat, one-time, um, uh, perpetual uh, software and SaaS year over year. So the combination of those five factors, um, you know, brings that waterfall together from uh, last year's overall growth rate to the baseline, uh, six to seven percent. Um, we have uh, uh, guided for 2023. And just real quick on the cost side, uh, we've the restructuring actions that we took um, already uh, during 2022 will improve our profitability in 23 relative to 22, and we'll continue to be optimizing the business throughout 23, and that'll set us up for continued improvement and profitability. We expect as we head into 24. So um, we've taken a lot of cost actions that will improve profitability, cash flow, and state said we, we have to work, work through some, some comps on revenue. Um, but you see with the ARR growth that uh, we do think we're moving in the right direction for the long term. Thank you. And a quick follow-up on ARR seasonality. Um, you know, we have the last four quarters now in terms of net new ARR additions, can we think of these type of levels being the typical seasonality for ARR progression throughout the year? So pretty similar from Q1 to Q2 and Q, uh, Q2 to Q3, then nice big jump in Q4. Thanks. Uh, so Q4 is, you know, seasonality a good quarter, right? So, um, you know, we're pleased that we had the highest quarter over quarter growth of the year. Um, you know, those are, you know, those being the last you know, four quarters you know, printed, the 2022 quarters, you know, those are the only, you know, quote, unquote, good numbers we have, um, you know, going forward as we did the, um, you know, the going back and re recreating the ARR numbers, we did not go back into with the level of, of, of uh, uh, you know, time back into the prior year. So, you know, we're going to be, you know, um, um, having good year-over-year compares beginning next quarter, um, but at the highest level, you know, we would expect the Q4 bump to be the, to be the, the, uh, the highest kind of quarter-over-quarter -quarter, uh, bump of the year. And then a, but as you know, ARR, it should be a pretty stable, um, you know, indicator of um, the predictability of the, of the business as we, as we move that steadily 
steadily um, upward throughout the course of the year. Our next question will come from Terry Tillman with Truist. You may now go ahead. Yeah, thanks for taking my question and follow-up. Maybe, Dave, for you in terms of the risk center migrations, it sounds like that was kind of a, a, a newer kind of play or strategy that was unfolding and, and may have benefited for you. Could you give us a sense on just the, the size and scope of that opportunity as we progress through 23, and is that going to be something that lingers in a positive way into 24? Just a little bit more on how the risk center migrations could uh, help uh, some of the KPIs still in 23. Yeah, that's a good question, Terry. And so we talked about that last quarter, the total population, um, you know, entering last quarter was 175 target customers. Um, we we uh, successfully migrated about um, uh, 10 of them last quarter. That's the pace we expect for the next couple quarters. As we are digging into those customers, um, there's, there's a little more um, – uh, reticence to move from on-prem to the cloud than, than we had expected. We're going to focus on moving that cohort um, with, um, you know, with retention goal number one, growth goal number two, and, you know, cost savings of getting them gone as objective number three. So I expect um, to be that, that to be a pretty steady, um, uh, um, you know, opportunity to move customers and, and drive ARR growth as, as those moves. That through the course of of 2023, and and then I also do expect it to linger into 2024. Okay, got it. And Patrick, you know, maybe this is something I missed, uh, and, and it's a really simple question, simple answer. But in terms of the total mix of business that's perpetual license, what's the assumption for 23 as opposed to what happened in 22? Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Hey, Terry, right now we're, we're anticipating about flat uh, in 23 relative to 22. And uh, you know, 22 was up about 20% from 21. So it was um, the, the delivery of non-recurring licenses uh, as well as a lot of our services, which are, which are non-recurring. We had record amounts in 22, specifically in Q4. We don't anticipate you know, setting new records as we enter 23. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Our next question will come from Ryan McWilliams with the Barclays. You may now go ahead. Thanks for the question, and good to see strong wins in CEM and larger customers, along with the sequential improvement in ARR. Patrick, how should we think about the year-over-year growth in ARR for 2023 as it relates to the revenue guide? Well, um, Hey, Ryan, uh, we don't guide to ARR, but um, we are, as we continue to, to focus the business uh, on, as we mentioned at our investor day, on critical event management uh, and on our sort of BHAG of getting 1,000 customers to 250 ARR or greater and working with their existing base uh, to move them up the CEM stack. We, we want to we see ARR growth and, and double digits, and as we work through you know, headwinds in terms of lapping the non-recurring revenue, you know, we anticipate that that will translate into, into similar pace of revenue growth, but that's going to take a number of quarters as we work through all of that. 
Excellent. And just on the free cash flow side, anything to think about as we move past the workforce restructuring or maybe um, just any differences of how the free cash flow line could play out in 2023 versus 2022? Thanks. Yep. Yeah, no, no major differences. And the, the timing in 22 was uh, was a little unique in that in Q3, uh, we, we had a lot more operating cash flow than we usually do in Q3. And we, we uh, but some things happen in Q3 that, that would typically happen in Q4. But in terms of the full year, um, you know, we, we, uh, the result was what we had anticipated. And, and, and 2023 will be higher. The restructuring cash outflow will be almost entirely wrapped up in the first half of 23. Um, and... Uh, and, and we'll continue to call that out um, so that you have clear a line of sight to it. Um, but beyond that, as our adjusted EBITDA grows, uh, our operating cash flow will grow and our free cash flow will grow. You know, the major um, differences between operating and free cash flow will continue to be the capitalized software development. And, um, uh, and that's something that will remain relatively static in 23 um, compared to 22. Appreciate the color. Thanks, guys. Our next question will come from Parker Lane with Stiefel. You may not go ahead. Hi, this is Matthew Kickert. I'm for Parker. Thanks for taking my questions. Um, to start, you mentioned record um, gross uh, retention rates despite reducing headcount. I'm just wondering kind of what led to that combination of outcomes um, and, you know, not seeing a, a decline in that, right? And do you expect that to continue into 2023? Yeah, that's a great question, Matthew. Thank you. So the, it was, um, um, you know, not an all-time record, but highest in, in two full years. Um, you know, I really point the primary piece to the, you know, the board's decision to pause material M&A and then our execution of the leadership team of really getting um, um, our arms around, you know, every customer renewal, whether it, you know, is Legacy Everbridge or, you know, newly acquired. Um, and um, so I do expect um, – I think that's the third important piece is that the customers are using our solution, um, you know, liking it and, and retaining it. So I think um, there were just a couple of uh, maybe 100 basis points of, of execution um, improvement the team was able to, to, uh, um, to gather in um, as they paused material M&A and got the acquired cohorts really, uh, you know, in command in the, in the customer success motions. Uh, that the company has used for years around its its, its uh, core uh, cohorts. Um, we had some then some some real specific great execution um, um, uh, uh, by the team that I'm pleased about. But I do expect um, uh, us to be off the lows we saw mid last year. Um, I, I don't expect us to be going back uh, back there. So I I, uh, I leave the the Q4 number. You know, extremely pleased with 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 that, and uh, ex expecting um, uh, you know improvement from where we were. Uh, you know, obviously Q2 and Q3 last year to 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 continue. Got it. And then secondly, is there any uh, specific product in the portfolio you want to call out that kind of led to your growth in the quarter? Or was it just general 
excitement in the CM portfolio? Um, you know, the one that, that, um, that bubbled up and, and when I gave those top five existing and top five new, the, the uh, digital resilience um, had, a, you know, a strong performance, um, you know, in the quarter. Uh, and so I was, I was pleased by that. Um, uh, uh, but, you know, the overall CEM portfolio and that broader um, um, need of our customers to, to, you know, to digitize enterprise resilience um, you know, that's the core driver, but I, you know, inside the portfolio, I was pleased with the, uh, the, the digital resilience, um, uh, especially on the new win side in, uh, in the quarter. Terrific. Thank you very much. Our next question will come from Mike Lattimore with Northland Capital Market. You may now go ahead. All right, great, thanks. Yeah, um, in, in terms of the CEM deals, I think you may have given us, but how many came from new versus existing customers? And then, you know, what does the pipeline look like for CEM, kind of new versus existing? Uh, we, we don't break it um, new versus existing. I did give a kind of a little, uh, you know, lean back towards Terry Terry's question on you know, the, the 10 that moved from, you know, RC9 to CEM to those migrations. So we're being real intentional. If you remember the wheel from Investor Day, that second quadrant, so we now have the 307 uh, existing, um, uh, which is great, and then that next uh, cohort being those, those migrations. Um, but still down on that, on that lower left-hand side, new customers are important. Uh, we had two of our top five um, uh, sized wins in the quarter were, were CEM wins. I, I think that's good. Obviously, the perpetual deals are going to tend to be, the, you know, the bigger deals that we'll be calling out in the top five. But um, we had some nice, large new customer wins, and of course, that momentum in the hundred, uh, the velocity in that 100k deal range was also um, a contributor. Um, you know, over time, at a, at a big average, again, if you remember the investor day going around that wheel, um, you know, we would be expecting. Um, you know, two-thirds to 80% of the CEMs to be growth of existing, um, you know, with the remainder coming in through the new customer acquisition. Uh, and, and, you know, that will get very quarter over quarter, but that's the high-level five-year pattern that we're, um, we're expecting. Yeah. And then these uh, record CEM deals, um, you know, presumably they get the full reflection in revenue in the first quarter. So does that suggest maybe first quarter ARR growth um, you know, sequentially could be as good as what you saw in the fourth quarter? Um, I, I want to make sure I have that. So the, the CEM deals, um, they do uh, get deployed relatively quickly. And, and so they do go into the ARR snowball and do begin to amortize out, um, you know, relatively quickly. And so it's perpetual deals that, you know, can have, you know, the Norway one was a really strong example where we closed in September and had it fully implemented by December. But that's it's probably more, you know, that's kind of the exception, not the rule. It's more 180 days um, um, on those perpetual. So, yeah, the, the, um, you, know, you guys have all been around SaaS businesses a long time. You know, the, uh, the CEM ones are going to go into ARR, and the ARR is going to come out into revenue um, you know, with, with very little um, – with very little d delay. Okay. And then just last, you talked about um, uh, 
maybe a fewer of the 500,000 deals as a reflection of the macro, perhaps. Um, what about just sales cycles generally? Any change in sales cycles? Um, no, like I said, the, the velocity was strong, and so I, I look at that, you know, the, um, you know, both the CEM number and the over 100K number as, so as, as indicators of the underlying velocity, but, you know, in, in this one quarter, we were down, you know, just it's, it's one quarter and it's not a huge number, but we were down from five deals over 100K in the quarter a year ago to four, um, uh, over, I'm sorry, over 500K. Uh, from five deals down to four, and so that, you know, that, um, you know, I'm just putting all that in the shaker and, and uh, you know, okay. really good gross retention, uh, uh, good, still good, you know, very good velocity in the, uh, in the, the mid-size larger deals, and, in, and again, in this quarter, a, a little lower on the large deals. Okay. Great. Thanks. Our next question will come from Koji Ikeda with Bank of America. You may now go ahead. Hey, guys. Hey, David. Hey, Patrick. Thanks for taking the questions. Um, I wanted to ask you a question or a follow-up on the sales capacity commentary earlier, you know, just taking into mind the reduction in capacity last year, affecting growth this year. Uh, but it sounds like the demand in CEM and sales execution, execution was pretty strong. So, so I, I guess the question is, you know, what are you looking for from a demand perspective this year where you may accelerate the pace of expanding sales capacity from here? Um, yeah, so that's a, you know, that is a really good question. And, and you're, you're, I think you're asking it the exact way that, that we're thinking about it as a, a leadership team and a go-to-market team. And so, um, um, you know, we took out quota-bearing reps with, you know, I guess with intentionality and with caution, and the the um, the subtractions were largely in the reps who were focused on the smaller, you know, um, on the smaller deal sizes, um, you know, which would potentially impact you know n number of new customers, you know, especially as we you know sales generated pipeline for those reps um, comes out quarter over quarter, um, but. The real opportunity here in the first half is, um, you know, arresting the the departures and improving uh, rep retention. You know, which, you know, whatever we are now six weeks into the quarter, um, um, as well as from beginning July last year, we're making really good progress on that on that rep retention. That's thing one to um, to address, um, and that uh, provides you know all of the. Um, expansion of capacity that we'd be planning for. Um, as we look forward, we want to grow that capacity. So we want to be back into um, uh, hiring quota-bearing reps as we turn the, turn the page uh, later this year into next. And that, that we're going to be evaluating those decisions carefully based on uh, um, how our sales efficiency uh, progresses throughout um, you know, Q1, Q2, and into Q3. Got it. Thanks, David. And just one follow-up here, looking at the 1Q revenue guide. You know, it, it is down sequentially. Um, you, you mentioned gross retention back to the highest in two years. I also mentioned a couple of planned divestitures, so, so understand all of that. Um, but maybe help us understand any additional puts and takes beyond that that would cause 
you know, 1Q revenue to be down sequentially. Anything particular to call out from a yeah. FX well, perspective? Let, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Well, I'll let Patrick. I'll let Patrick take the details. Uh, you know, we've been um, disclosing. I, I think beginning at Q3, the split between uh, revenue in, in the quarter, you know, rounded to the nearest million between um, uh, recurring and perpetual. And when you look at that stacked bar chart, um, we had a really strong, really strong Q4 and a pretty strong Q3. And, um, you know, so that combined with um, um, the, the lower perpetual Q4, um, had, that's, the, that's the biggest difference. You're going to see steady, um, steady uh, growth in our recurring revenues and, uh, and seasonality in the perpetuals. Yeah, uh, so in the uh, – hey, Coach, it's Patrick. In the, the 117, there were – there was well over $16 million of one-time revenue uh, in Q4, that and and Q1 is just not going to have um, anywhere near that amount. Um, so you see with the ARR growth that the subscription, the recurring business is is you know, continuing to to grow, but that one-time um, set of revenues uh, is very lumpy. And you'll see in the 10K that um, we anticipate filing uh, by the end of this week that in 2022. That one-time revenue amounted to, to over $35 million. So it's, you know, on the one hand, 35 out of 432, it's, it's not a huge percent, but, it's, but it is lumpy, and it creates, uh, it can create some noise. And um, just as you saw in the transition from Q421 to Q122, uh, uh, a lot of times the, those one-time deliveries, they land in Q4, and they don't land in Q1. So we had a sequential decrease coming into 22, and, and we'll, we'll have another one coming into 23. Got it. Thanks, guys. That's super helpful. Thank you so much. Again, if you have a question, please press star, then one. Our next question will come from Cash Rangan with Goldman Sachs. You may now go ahead. Hello. Thank you very much, uh, David and Patrick. Uh, David, question for you. It's been probably, what, seven, eight months since uh, you joined the CEO. Uh, that's been enough time to conduct an extensive review, and congrats on the quarter, by the way. Uh, I'm curious to get your take on what elements of the old strategy uh, were actually working that you expect to harness and invest in, and what are the elements of the, the new strategy that uh, that you hope to implement that will get the path to the billion dollars in revenue that, uh, that you have clearly outlined. Uh, uh, that's good yeah. stuff. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Cash. I mean, um, yeah, hopefully it's coming through, um, you know, really loud and clear that it, it's, um, um, it's building out this recurring revenue and focused on the, the value creation that comes from that, you know, is, you know, is the difference um, or, you know, is it really, the, to me, the key strategic uh, shift that we've made. Um, I remain really bullish. I say that, and I remain really bullish on our public warning, public safety, and smart security uh, products. Those um, um, have, you know, really um, fantastic value. There's uh, definitely synergy with the with the rest of the portfolio. So, you know, thing one is is focusing on that recurring revenue and make sure that's the focus. Thing two is. Um, you know, strategically bringing together, you know, the, the um, in you know in the right way, um, the full suite of our products. And you know, to me, the good thing 
uh, well, you know, the bad thing about what the company has done is just a lot of M&A, you know, relatively close together. The good thing is that, you know, everything, you know, hangs together, the customer demand, the customer, you know, synergies. Um, I'm, I'm seeing how um, we're going to be able to bring this together, um, retaining our leadership position with the broadest set of solutions in the, the CEM um, space, um, uh, yeah, you know, and, you know, with this modest divestitures that, that we've talked about, the, the four to eight, which um, should drop to zero to, to four and a half or so um, with this divestiture under LOI that, that we've pulled out. So anyway, um, yeah, to me, it's that, that big um, uh, billion-dollar ARR wheel and, and, and growing those customers um, through cross-sell migrations and, uh, and, uh, and new customer ads and just staying really focused on that. Got it. Really well-balanced business model. Thank you so much. This concludes our question and answer session. I would like to turn the comments back over to Dave Wagner for any closing remarks. Uh, well, again, I thank you all for um, participating with us today, and I look forward to um, you know, speaking with, with many of you throughout the course of the uh, quarter and updating you again uh, after uh, our Q1 is complete. Uh, thank you all very much. Have a great day. The conference is now concluded. Thank you for attending today's presentation. You may now disconnect.